Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. want to thank you guys so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. Been a hot minute. Been a hot minute since we've done a podcast. Really excited to get back on things. Programming announcement for everybody here at the beginning of the pod. Through June and July, we will be doing three shows a week. I'm probably going to put them out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We'll just have to see what happens. But from here on out, three episodes a week instead of five episodes, one every weekday. It's the off season. I don't like that word. I like to think, just like Josh Pate, that there is no off season here in college athletics, but it is kind of that season where things wind down a little bit for the summer, and Kentucky actually has some things planned this summer that are going to be pretty exciting, pretty fun to cover. We're going to talk about that later on in the show, but I wanted to start off here talking about Kentucky's new assistant coach. If you didn't see it a couple days ago, it's not been officially announced, but it has been reported by several media outlets, KT Turner who was the associate head coach at Oklahoma, will now be joining Kentucky staff as an assistant coach. Wanted to kind of go over what Kentucky's getting in KT. So like I mentioned, he was an associate head coach at Oklahoma. He's also was at, was at SMU for several seasons. He was at Texas for, for a couple of seasons. And also, he was on Wichita State staff in 2013 when the Shockers went to the Final Four. So what is Kentucky getting in KT Turner. Well, what what Kentucky wanted out of this new assistant coach was somebody who was personable and relatable, somebody who could recruit well, specifically the state of Texas, and then somebody that, and I think this is, was more of a fan thing than anything, they wanted somebody that could, that had a track record, that was a name, that somebody out there was like, okay, that's a respectable get. We appreciate that as fans, and we respect that get because it's somebody that we know. I don't necessarily think that he covers the... He doesn't necessarily check the box uh, for fans where it's like, okay, this is somebody that I definitely know. I saw several people on social media be like, okay, we like his track record. Like, he's got a good track record, but who is this guy? You know, and and I, I, I'm not here to knock on KT. I think this is a good hire. While he may not be somebody that has a known name... He's someone who has been trusted by some big names. And this is a direct quote quote here from The Athletic. Five different coaches who've made a Final Four, including two Naismith Hall of Famers, have now hired Turner. NCAA and NBA champion Larry Brown raves about Turner, the, uh, the founder of talent-rich Nike, Nike grassroots program, uh, and I believe the program is called Mokin Elite. Maybe pronouncing that wrong. But the founder of that program is Turner's best friend, and the players he's recruited and developed into pros, they swear by Turner. And one of those actually being Shake Milton. Shake Milton has raved before about how relatable and accessible and just how, how comforting somebody like KT Turner is. And he's, he, Milton's been really, really positive about who KT is, not just as a coach, but as a person. And this is a direct quote here from Shake Milton talking about KT Turner. He has this way of relating to people that really gets guys to buy in. 
He relates to you on a personal level first, and then everything else comes after. He's an amazing person. He recruited me and promised me to be like family. And when I got there, I was over at his house all the time, just chilling, really being that family. He's somebody you can definitely count on, and I wouldn't trade him for any coach in the world. He's in my inner circle, someone who I can trust and lean on at all times. In any situation, he's right there in my corner right now to this very day. That's Shake Milton talking about new Kentucky assistant coach, KT Turner. You need somebody that's relatable. You need somebody that has a track record. This guy's been trusted by a lot of different big names. And then on top of that, you need somebody that that is able to recruit. Sure, he may have a great personality. Sure, he may have uh, a great track record with coaches. But what has he done on the recruiting trail? Well, it is well documented that KT Turner is a really, really solid recruiter in the state of Texas. A lot of different people have come out and, and, and praised him for that. But The Athletic, in one of their articles recently, made a good point talking about how he is somebody that can recruit in the state of Texas. Kentucky wanted that, but he can go a little further than the state of Texas, and they actually noted it earlier on in the uh, article. The creator of Moken Elite, which is a a, uh, Nike program that had 27 alumni on D1 rosters last season, he is—Turner is very, very close friends with the creator of that program. So there's kind of a pipeline there to a program that puts out a lot of different really, really talented high school uh, basketball players, including Ochai Trey Young, Michael Porter Jr. Some Kentucky fans may be familiar with this name, Willie Colleystein. Everybody knows who that is. So he's a really, really good recruiter. He's best friends with somebody who runs a program that has put out a lot of really good talent uh, as of late. And, I mean, he checks the boxes for me. He checks the boxes. He's somebody that is trusted, somebody that is relatable and accessible and can can handle things well on the NIL front, as, in, in my opinion, based on what I've read about him. Really good recruiter. And then on top of that, something that I've read in multiple places, I think his personality fits well on this coaching staff because there have been several people that have come out and said, well, He's he's a calming presence. He's he's a respectable presence. He's not somebody that's fiery and out there and screaming. He's more of a he's more of a bring you back down to earth kind of guy. And I even I saw the athletic. I think I might have seen all, on three say this as well. But that's something that will complement Calipari's coaching style. And for those of you that have been commenting on Coach Cal on my YouTube channel for several months now, I think you can appreciate. What I'm saying here is that there's a there's a coach on Kentucky's on Kentucky staff that will be able to offset how John Calipari coaches in game, and I, I think that's something to be happy about. I think that's something to be pleased about. This was a good hire. This was a good hire, in my opinion. All right, we're probably going to talk about KT Turner a little bit more this off season. Just kind of wanted to get it out, and it will officially be announced announced at some point. Before I move on to talking about what Kentucky's going to do this summer, they're making a trip outside the states. Some of you may already know about it. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, news, odds, and including this year's basketball championship max matchup, the Warriors, the Celtics, going to be a lot of fun, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course all of the latest fighting news from MMA to UFC to boxing. 
BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, continuing along here on the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl here with you really quickly. Got an important favor to ask of you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is an opportunity for you to tell us what you like and you don't like about Locked On Podcasts. You can go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, again, you can go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. I would really appreciate it if you guys went and filled that out. Thank you so much for your help. All right, Kentucky, back in the Bahamas. That's right. So Kentucky is leaving the country to go on a summer trip. They're going back to the Bahamas. I believe this is the third time that the Wildcats have been back to uh, to the Bahamas. Really, really exciting. If anybody wants to start a fundraiser for me to go, I'd really appreciate it. That's a joke. But Kentucky put out a press release. Here's what they had to say. The Wildcats will be heading to the beautiful Bahamar Resort for a four-game, seven-day trip from August 8th through the 14th. UK will train at the World Class Resort and play four games during its stay as it prepares for the 2022-23 season. Kentucky will play the Dominican Republic National Select Team on August 10th. Tech de Montre, I believe is how you pronounce that. I may be completely off on that. On August 11th, and then they will play Carleton University on August 13th and the Bahamas National Team on August 14th. Really, really fun stuff. NCAA rules allow for a foreign tour by an intercollegiate team once every four academic years. Kentucky's Big Blue Bahamas Tour is managed by BDG Sports, a Lexington-based event marketing firm, which actually manages or annually manages more than two dozen games at Bahamar each November. This is what John Calipari had to say about the trip. Obviously, he's excited. I'm excited for them. I wish I could go, but this is what Calipari said. This has always been a memorable trip for our teams and our fans. It has always given us a springboard heading into the season. These games will be a challenge for us and will allow us to grow to see where we are at this point. We have a great mix of returning players and newcomers who want to use this opportunity to begin the preparation it takes to win a national title. That's our goal, and it all starts at Baja Mar. Something that I think is worth noting here, actually a couple of things, is that Coach Cal makes a really good point. Not only is this a good opportunity for some of the returnees to kind of build on what they've been doing this offseason, to kind of learn and kind of continue to grow as players, but it's also an opportunity for some of these new guys to come in and get prepped. Cason Wallace, Chris Livingston, Adu Thiero, Antonio Reeves Jr., the transfer from Illinois State, they're all going to be able to use this opportunity to develop chemistry with their other guys. And that's really exciting to me, to get to go and play some legitimate competition, some, some legitimate competition, and be able to try and form that chemistry. I think that's really good. Something else I think is also kind of jokingly worth pointing out here. I mean, if the team does anything like what Lance Ware has done in Brazil... And we've talked uh, talked about that before on this podcast, just how he is just absolutely balled out in Brazil, playing uh, some games against some uh, professional teams. I mean, that is a great, great sign for the season to come. If they can pull, if they can pull off what Lance Ware did, he dropped like thirty nine in a game, thirty nine. And then I think the final thing that's really interesting to note 
This is the third time the Wildcats have made the trip to the Bahamas to serve as a tune-up for the regular season. That's what the press release notes. And they also note, both previous times the Cats went, they came away with very positive results. Kentucky first traveled to the island prior to the 2014-15 season, which ignited a magical run that ended in an undefeated regular season, SEC regular season and tournament titles, and a trip to the Final Four. Kentucky earned a 4-0 mark in the Bahamas in 2018 prior to going 30-7 and reaching the Elite Eight in 2019. Uh, It's a pretty good track record for Kentucky to have uh, gone to this place twice in both times that they've gone the following season, the upcoming season, done some really, really cool things. And I, and I know that there are a lot of people out there that are kind of down on the, on the program right now. But let's, kind of, let's start to kind of look ahead to this season instead of wallowing about last season or thinking about what could happen three years from now. Let's look at this season. You got the National Player of the Year back. You got a couple new five stars coming in. You got a transfer that was averaging over 20 a game. You've got your, you've got your point guard back that was, uh, was a finalist for several awards and is a phenomenal distributor and pairs well with your national player of the year. I, I mean, you, you have to be happy about this this year, right? Now, I've said several times on this podcast, it would be really nice if Kentucky went out and got one more player, one more player on scholarship, but that's not. I don't think it's going to happen. And even Coach Calipari said, it was like, well, it'd be nice. I don't know if we're going to, though. That would be nice. The only thing that I can think about complaining about right now outside of that is projecting how this coaching staff is going to handle games this season. I I, I can only get upset at projecting how Coach Calipari is going to handle the things schematically this year. And while my projections, or our projections as fans, may be correct or accurate to some degree, I don't think it's worth worrying about right now. Because if it yields results at the end of the day, then what's the point of complaining? We can still go, we can complain about it, we can project, but what's the point? So I, I'm just, I'm excited, man, and this is one of those things where it's just like, man, it's another opportunity to get better prepared for what is to come. I'm excited about that. Before we move on to talking about an SEC football-related topic, we talked about it a little bit recently. I kind of want to dive into how it specifically impacts Kentucky. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you guys to subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on podcast format, please do me a favor. On either platform, leave a review, leave a comment, tell me how you feel about the podcast. I would genuinely appreciate it. Continuing to climb uh, subscribers-wise on the YouTube channel, getting close to 1,500, really excited about that. All right. So if you've not been paying attention, over the past several days... The SEC executives and a plethora of SEC coaches have been down in Destin, Florida, having meetings just about about the league, and they've been kind of discussing a, a scheduling format change because Texas and Oklahoma are coming into the league in 2025. So the SEC is getting together and saying, look, we're about to become a super conference. We're about to have 16 teams in the league We've got to do something to change the schedule because the way that we have it currently would not work with 16 teams in the conference. And so they've thrown out, apparently they've thrown out a ton of different models. But they've kind of narrowed it down to, I believe, two. Two different models. A 1-7 model, 
which means team A has one assigned team that they play every single year, and the other seven teams on their conference schedule rotate out. That's one model. So, for instance, Kentucky could, their one team that they play every single year could be, I don't know, Tennessee. And I know that's not going to happen. I'm just throwing it out there. Tennessee. And then the other seven teams that they would play in an eight-game conference conference schedule, the other seven teams would rotate out. There is another model that I kind of lean towards because I don't I just don't like the th- the sound of the one seven model. The other model is a three six model. You have three teams that you play every single year. And then you have six other teams on your conference schedule. So that's nine games in total. You have six other teams on your conference schedule that rotate out. I think that makes more sense. I don't like either model. I like the way that the scheduling's set up now. But sacrifices have to be made because you're bringing in two teams to your conference. Do I want Texas and Oklahoma in the league? Quite frankly, no. I don't. But it's happening, so we have to adjust, and, and things have to happen in order for things for it to, to go smoothly. So I think a 3-6 model would make more sense. But the question here is, could a change to the SEC scheduling format, could it hurt the Wildcats? And I think there are a couple of reasons why it may. It could hurt Kentucky's ability to become bowl-eligible consistently. Now, you may say, well, Lance, we're coming fresh off a 10-win season, you know, Mark Stoops is one, has one of the cushiest jobs in all of college football. We're recruiting out the wazoo. We've got really, really good stuff going on within the program. Why are you even questioning Kentucky's ability to become bowl eligible? Because of their history up until this point is really the only answer I could say to that. I mean, if Mark Stoops leaves, let's, see, let's say Kirk Ferentz quits at Iowa, retires, Could we see Mark Stoops go back to his alma mater? That's a possibility. He could leave the program. Whatever may happen, whatever may happen, let's say Mark Stoops is gone and Kentucky has to kind of revert back to what's been their average, which is slightly underneath average. Not having four non-conference games to go through instead of three, which would be the 3-6 model, having three non-conference games, that would really, really hurt Kentucky's ability to get to bowl eligibility because that would be one less cupcake that Kentucky could play on their schedule. So you got your nine games, right? You got your nine conference games, the three six, and then you have three more non-conference games left over. Let's say all three of those for Kentucky are cupcakes. It's Eastern Michigan, it's Wyoming, and it's some FCS team, okay? That's three wins, but you got to get to six to get to bowl eligibility, now, Missouri and Vanderbilt, hypothetically, you play them every other year or whatever. I'm just, I'm just shooting from the hip here. Missouri and Vanderbilt, those feel like two comfortable wins at this point. Or even in the future, those feel like games you can at least compete in. Okay. So, those are two wins. Then you get your three non-conference wins. You still need one more win to get to that bowl. With, a, with, with, with the way that things are currently set up, you have that fourth non-conference game. Right, You can throw in Western Kentucky or something like that to play. You got your four wins. You got your two wins in the SEC. That's six. You get to a bowl. But now that it could potentially switch to a 3-6 model, it's going to put it's going to it's going to really challenge not just Kentucky's ability to get to a bowl, but teams like South Carolina, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, if they even get close to it. 
So it, it's it's ta- it's really putting a damper on the bottom half of the SEC. And I'm not saying that's where Kentucky is now. I'm saying that's where they've been. So I'm just kind of relying on history here so that we project down the road. If Stoops leaves, then this could be a problem. On the on the flip side, though, I think that extra conference game that Kentucky gets could also pull in more revenue. I, that, that could be the saving grace. It's like, well, you didn't get to a bowl. You didn't get the money from the from the bowl game. But you got that extra non you got that extra extra conference game. And I think the benefit actually of that extra conference game is it could be a team from the SEC West. Let's say you start playing LSU, you play Oklahoma, you play Texas. That's gonna draw in crowds, that's gonna draw in more money. Now there's also a negative side to that. A three six model would likely draw more teams from the SEC West, and that's not fun. Do, you, do we think Kentucky's winning games against Oklahoma often? Do we think Kentucky's winning games against Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss even? If we're just if we're thinking down the road here, like a decade from now, is that happening consistently? I don't know. I doubt it. And the, the only other thing I, I want to point out here is I think it'll be interesting to see who Kentucky's three fixed opponents will be. If if this is the model that the SEC goes with, if the 3-6 is what we go with, it's going to be fascinating to see how they they distribute, or distribute, said that weirdly, distribute Kentucky's three fixed opponents. Because if, if they miss Georgia, I feel like we're good, right? If you get like Florida, Tennessee, and Mississippi State, or something like that, you get Florida, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. I mean, you feel pretty good about that. To go back to what we were saying about getting to bowl eligibility, that kind of offsets things in a way. Kind of makes me feel better. But still, changing the format, I think, has the ability to hurt Kentucky long-term. But here's the thing. This is all for the good of the conference. The SEC is not thinking about getting every single team to a bowl game. Now, I think that's what why they're refraining from voting on it right now. I think their refrain is like, well, we got 13 teams to a bowl last season. That was money. That was great, guys. We need to find a way to continue to do that. Well, adding Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC and changing your entire scheduling format's probably going to put a hurting on South Carolina, Kentucky, LSU, or whoever's down in the SEC West. So I, I'm just saying that, you know, I think... The changes that are coming are going to injure the conference in some ways, but at the end of the day, for the for the benefit of the conference, it needs to happen. Because if we're talking about the SEC maintaining its status as a powerhouse, if we're looking at the mid tier to the cream of the crop up top, I think that's kind of what these commissioners and, and the these different coaches and stuff are focusing on. Well, that's the more valuable thing. We got to find a way to preserve that, not just the entire conference, but preserve our good teams. Because we got a lot of them. All right, that's my thought on that. If you guys have any thoughts on the SEC scheduling, if you got any thoughts on anything we talked about today, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below, or if you're listening on podcast format, you can hit me on the socials. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceDahl underscore. You can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns? Again, leave them in the YouTube comments below. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all Monday for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.